0: Welcome to Fresh Start Church Online. Our mission is to help people find a fresh start through Jesus Christ. Please let us know if we can pray for you or help you in any way. Now here's Pastor Bruce with this week's message. We are uh, continuing with our series about questions that we have about God, about the Bible, and so today we're going to be talking about questions about heaven. So, watch this video. You off? <laughs> <laughs> Do you believe in heaven? Oh, okay. Yes. Okay, and uh, what's the line there? Ooh, I haven't gone that far into thinking about it. Uh, I couldn't tell you that. Who do you think gets to go to heaven? Um, everyone. What's that? What is heaven like? Well, I really don't know exactly what it's like, you know, but in a sense, it is like for each individual, personal thing for every individual. As far as their life is concerned, as you live, you can make your own heaven. yeah Isn't it interesting to see so many different perspectives? And, you know, if you, if you think about it, there have been so many movies about heaven. Uh, there have been so many TV shows that either the whole show is about heaven, you know, touched by an angel, here's this angel that comes down from heaven, or what was the Michael Landon one, highway to heaven, or uh, so many TV shows, so many songs about heaven and the sad thing is I can't think of one movie or one TV show or one song other, other than Christian worship songs uh, that have been out about heaven that have any, any connection to what the Bible says. It, it, and it, it saddens me to see these people. I mean, this was real interviews on the street. Uh, people just kind of make up, you know, well, here's what I think it is. And, and you know, I grew up uh, in church. I spent the first probably 17, 18 years of my life in a Methodist church and spent five years in charismatic and Pentecostal churches and then ten years in a conservative Presbyterian church and then got ordained in a Southern Baptist church. And so, you know, I'm a Methodist, Baptist, Pentecostal. I've kind of been everywhere. And I really don't remember ever hearing a single sermon about heaven. And there's not even many books written. The best, if you want to uh, uh, really get a, a great uh, grasp and understanding of heaven, uh, there's a book called Heaven by Randy Alcorn and uh, just tremendous, tremendous book. If I I, I don't have a copy anymore because I give them away to people who are wrestling with uh, issues of heaven. <coughs> or they've lost a, a loved one maybe and, and so it's just a great book, Heaven by Randy Alcorn. Um, but you know, so much is said about heaven in the Bible, and yet most Christians, if you ask, if, if we were to take a survey here, I think it might be very similar to what we just saw. Most Christians don't really get this heaven stuff. Uh, James Dobson, the head of Focus on the Family Ministry, said, you know, years ago, there used to be a lot more songs sung about heaven, there were a lot more, you know, sermons about heaven, and and... and He realized that our view of heaven isn't just something that matters once we die. Our view of heaven really can impact everything we do here on earth. And so we're going to talk about that as as we look through these common questions. But these questions are based on uh, common questions some of you have asked. Other people ask uh, questions that we probably all have or have had at some point. And so I just want us to look straight to God's word and uh, get his view The Bible's view of heaven. So the first question we're going to look at, it's also the most important, is how do I get into heaven? And if you've got an outline, you can follow all the scriptures there in your outline or up on the screen. But if you take your outline, it's just a great place to be able to jot some things down as as we go through this. So how do I get to heaven? You know, if, if you have doubts about whether you're going to be in heaven or not when you die then you probably don't spend hardly any time thinking about heaven. If you're not sure uh, what's going to happen when you die, then you probably don't spend any time thinking about heaven. And you would kind of think it would be the opposite. If you didn't know if you would end up in heaven or not, you kind of think that would be like the number one priority, to figure that out and, and dive in and understand it so that you would know. But it's the exact opposite. Uh, most folks who aren't sure if they're going to make it to heaven or not don't spend any time studying or or trying to learn more about heaven. Uh, Do you feel uncomfortable when someone says to you, when you die, are you going to heaven? Does just that question make you kind of uncomfortable? Or if a friend asks you, or kids or grandkids said, hey, what what about heaven? Do Do you feel like you could give a good explanation, a good answer about how you get to heaven? Or do you feel just unsure about it? Well, when we think about how to get into heaven or who gets into heaven, Uh, we don't have to wonder because God sent Jesus Christ to this earth to answer those questions, to answer them 2,000 years ago. And the answers that he gave us 2,000 years ago still apply to all of us today. Uh, Look with me at Romans 4, uh, verses 4 and 5. And this is Paul writing to the, the Christians in Rome. And he says, when people work, their wages are not a gift, but something they've earned. But people are counted as righteous, not because of their work, but because of their faith in God, who forgives sinners. When people work, their wages are not a gift, but something they've earned. But the gift of salvation is not by anything we do, but because of our faith in God. You know, we talked about this a little bit last week when we talked about uh, judgment and, you know, are we going to face God on a judgment day? And and one of the challenges that we have, even as Christians, one of the challenges we have is we would say salvation is the free gift of God. That's what the Bible says. It's not based on anything I do. I can't earn credits to get into heaven. We would all say that, but we still kind of feel like, okay, hopefully I've done enough good things that God will accept me into heaven. And so one reason why we might be unsure, whether you're, uh, you know, never been in church before in your life, or whether you've been in church your whole life, whether you're not a Christian or you are a Christian, you know, one of the challenges that we face with this is we're unsure because we're depending on what we do. I mean, some of you have received Christ years ago. You're like me, kind of years ago, you know, received Christ. But you still have questions. Well, I I hope, I hope God will let me into heaven. And so the problem is, if we depend on what we do to get into heaven, on our good works to get into heaven, then what's the measurement? How how many good works do we have to do Uh, uh, Andy Stanley has a great book called, How Good is Good Enough? How, how good do I have to be to be good enough to get into heaven? And so, so the challenge is, we, we think to ourselves, well, I'm not as good as Billy Graham, but I'm way better than Hitler, so hopefully my good will outweigh my bad, and God will accept me into heaven. We all kind of picture dying, dying. And this long, long, long line of people waiting uh, to get up to the gates of heaven and standing at the gates of St. Peter. And there are probably more jokes have been written about St. Peter standing at the pearly gates with this question or this joke or this, you know, a priest or rabbi and somebody else went up to St. Peter. and You know, there's a million of those jokes. And so we kind of picture that we'll be standing in this long line and as it moves kind of slowly, we start sweating more and more and more thinking, I hope when I get up there, I hope. He's going to open the gates and let me in. But That's the, the wrong perspective. It, 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 this isn't like uh, upscale nightclubs you see on TV where people are waiting in line to get in, you know, and the, the guy at the door gets to choose, yeah, you can come in, you can't, you can come in. We, we picture that towards heaven, and that's why we're not sure. Is God going to welcome me in or not? But, but that's completely the wrong picture because heaven is a perfect place and we are all imperfect and so if I've ever done a single thing wrong if I've ever thought something that was wrong if I've ever said something that was wrong if I ever failed to do something that was right then I'm imperfect so what would happen to a perfect place if an imperfect person came there wouldn't be perfect anymore would it if I was allowed to get into heaven, even though I'm very imperfect, heaven wouldn't be a perfect place anymore. So none of us can meet the, the mark. None of us can measure up. None of us can. The Bible says that the, the standard is perfection. And, you know, I'm, Valerie's pretty close. I'm not even on the list. And, and, and so none of us measure up. None of us pass the test. But that's why Jesus came to earth. That's why he died on the cross. It, it, it was to wipe the slate clean so that we could be acceptable to God. It, it says our righteousness. Righteousness just means right with God. That I can be right with God, not because I clean up my act, not because I do more good than bad. I can be made right with God only because of what Jesus Christ did, that he took all of my sin on himself. He took the penalty, he took the punishment, and he gave me credit for his perfect life. And we talk about that a lot. That's this two-way street because a lot of people say, well, I know Jesus died for me, but Jesus also lived and fulfilled the law of God, lived a perfect life, and puts his score on our report card. So we can have an A because of what Jesus did for us. And so... uh, when we've accepted Christ as our Savior, it's kind of like at Disney or Universal, the fast pass, you know, you get to go right past. I love that. I mean, I know it's wrong, but I just I just love, you know, not having to stand in line, get the fast pass, and get to walk past all these people that are standing there sweating. I just somehow, I know it's wrong, but I just somehow get thrilled to watch, hey, they can't get in. I can. I got the fast pass. That fast pass, spiritually, is what gets us Ahead of the line, so that we can be accepted into heaven by God, because we've got a fast pass offered to us, and if we receive it, offered to us by Jesus Christ Himself. When I was in uh, high school, uh, Mel High at the time had about 2,500 students, and at lunchtime they had a place that sold milkshakes, and it was separate from where the other food was, it was off. Just this little stand off in the corner. And one lady standing there selling milkshakes for 25 cents. And the longest line you've ever seen. I mean, people, everybody wanted a milkshake. And that's about the only thing I ate for lunch in those days. So I stood in line. I waited, I waited, I waited. I got up to the front. And I said, do you have any vanilla? And she said, oh, we're we're sold out of vanilla. Oh, we've got chocolate. Well, I don't like chocolate. So I didn't get a milkshake. And I stood in line a couple more times. And I'd get all the way up there. And she might have one. She might not. Then she told me. She said, do you want one every day? I said, yes, ma'am. She said, I'll I'll save one for you. So, lunch break, walk into the cafeteria. Here's this long, 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 long line of people. I got to go all the way around them, right up to the front, give her my quarter, and she'd reach under the table and pull out a vanilla milkshake. I loved that. I loved that. It was, I I can't tell you her name. I've seen her since then, uh, over the years, But, but we had a relationship. And she gave me something that allowed me to bypass the whole line. That's what Jesus Christ does. If we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, if we've truly placed our faith in him, then we get a fast pass. We don't have to stand in line. We get to go straight to heaven. It's all based on what Jesus has done, not what we've done. Look at Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9. It says, God saved you by his grace when you what believed and, and you can't take credit for this it's a gift from god salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done so none of us can boast about it you know greg sent me a message back before we started this series on facebook saying you know i, I read through the gospel of matthew and it's you know salvation comes from faith in christ believing in Christ. But then there's all this other stuff that it says that we have to do. So so what's right? What's true? Is Is it a gift of God, not by what we do? Or is there stuff we have to do to be saved? And this verse just nails it. We can't take credit for it. It's a gift from God. It's not a reward for the good things we've done. Why so none of us can boast about it. If I could earn my way to heaven, man, I'd be strutting along. Hey, I'm going to heaven. I was so good. I did so much. Everybody really would be impressed by me. And we do have that attitude. I remember a church years ago that I was serving as pastor, and, and, and there was this older man that mowed those five acres of grass that, that the church building was on, and he would mow this uh, every week, and he went on vacation. He said, he said, I won't be able to do the grass for a couple of weeks. I know it's going to be bad. I said, No, oh, I'll do it, no problem. I, you know, I used to own a tractor. I love love to drive drive that kind of thing. So I get on and I start mowing. And I'm just so impressed with myself. I'm the pastor. And I'm out mowing the grass. And I still remember a lady from church drove by and I wave. I hope she sees me. I hope she sees me. I want some credit. See, that's what's in all of us. In all of us, we want to think. I did it. I won. I earned enough points. Here we go. I'm excited about this. Everybody notice me, me, me. And the Bible says, no, it has nothing to do with us. It has nothing to do with our good work. Salvation is a gift from God. We don't deserve it, and we can't earn it. That's what makes it amazing. That's what makes God's forgiveness and his grace and his mercy so amazing. If we deserved it, it wouldn't be a big deal. But we don't deserve it. We don't deserve to be forgiven. We don't deserve to be saved. We don't deserve to, to live in heaven. It's a free gift. Now... Once we've received Christ, are we supposed to do good things? Yes, Christians should be doing better things than anybody else. We should be saying, "Man, we're going to serve. We're going to give. We're going to be the most generous people. We're going to be the the, the, the most uh, have servanthood. We're just going to help anybody and everybody we can. We're going to be. We, we should be shining the light of the goodness of Christ into our communities and into our world. Those things don't get us to heaven. They do get us rewards in." heaven so the more we focus on whether we'll get into heaven or not based on what we've done the less sure we'll be but the more we recognize that we get into heaven not because of anything we do but because of what christ has done for us then we become secure we become secure about going to heaven Notice it says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. So the question is, do you believe? Do you you believe that Jesus is the son of God? Do you believe that he died and rose again to pay the penalty for all of your sins? Do you believe in Christ? Not just here, we talked about this last week, but here. I believe he's not just a savior, he's my savior. And if you haven't done that, if you've never trusted Christ with your life, there's no better time to do that than right now just to say, Jesus, I don't understand it all, but today I'm placing my faith in you. Today I'm declaring I believe in you. I believe that you're the son of God. I believe that you died for my sins. I believe you rose from the dead. I want to trust you and have a relationship with you. And if you're still struggling with that, heaven issue whether you're going to make it or not it's because you're you're not trusting in christ you're not trusting in christ well here's another question what when we die do we join jesus immediately i still remember my my stepmother uh, had a catholic upbringing her her parents elderly parents uh, we're faithful Catholics. And, and I forget if her mother had died or her father had died, which one went first. But, you know, people sent cards and said, you know, we're lighting candles to try to get dear John on into heaven. And I thought, how sad is that? That, that, that I, I get stuck in some temporary place hoping enough people will pray enough prayers or hoping enough people will light enough candles that I get to go into heaven. Hey, I can pretty much tell you, the day I'm gone, most people are never going to think about me again. They're sure not going to buy enough candles to get me into heaven. That just seems like a tragic thing to, to, to hope, to have uncertainty about. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 6 and then verse 8 says, So we are always confident, even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies, we're not at home with the Lord. And in verse 8, yes, we are confident and we would rather be away from these earthly bodies for then, not eventually, then we will be at home with the Lord. And so the idea presented here is there's two options. We're either in our body or we're with God in heaven. Two options, nothing in between. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, there's two guys hanging on crosses beside him. And one of them is mocking Jesus, just making fun of him. And the other one says, Jesus, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm placing my faith in you. And look what Jesus said in Luke 23, verse 43. He says, I assure you, when? Today you will be with me In paradise. Today. He didn't say at the end of time. He didn't say there's a waiting period. He didn't say there's anything else. He said today you will be with me. Today you're with me. Physical bodies. As soon as we die. You're going to be with me. In paradise. And I love the word paradise. Because some people think about heaven. I've had people say. Man if all you're going to do is float around on a cloud playing harps. I don't want to go. I don't even like harp music. You know. No, paradise, paradise, nicer, better than anything we've ever seen, than anything we can imagine. Here's another question. Well, I recognize my friends and loved ones in heaven. I remember years ago, we lived in Palm Bay, and I, I went to the pastor of our church, and I, I said, you know, I'm concerned about something. I said, if, if I die first, and I'm in heaven... I don't want Valerie to remarry because I don't want to see her and some other guy coming up to heaven when I'm there. I don't want to see that. And so he gave me some great advice. He said, well, just tell her to marry a non-Christian and then it won't be a problem. (laughs) I still don't know if he was serious or not. I'm not sure. Look at Matthew 8, verse 11. I tell you this. Many Gentiles will come from all over the world. From east and west and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at the feast in the kingdom of heaven. How many of you love to have a feast? Do you love to go somewhere? Maybe it's a family thing. Maybe it's a really nice restaurant. And it's just a feast. Here's the cool thing. The feast in heaven, there's not one calorie. Not one. There's no carbs. There's no calorie. It doesn't hurt. It's a feast. It's all good. All good. The time. But what does this tell us? It tells us that people in heaven are recognizable individuals. Here's Abraham, here's Isaac, here's Jacob. They, they, they were the, the, the founder, the fathers of uh, the Jewish faith, Father Abraham. And so when we get to heaven, we, we'll have a, a reunion with our Christian friends and family members who died before us, and we'll get to meet other Christians throughout history. Can you imagine meeting Abraham? I mean, what would you say? I mean, what? I, I mean, have you got questions? How about I would ask him? I say, Abraham, if 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 you were really a hundred years old when you had a baby, who taught him how to ride a bike? You know, I want to ask. I want to ask Mary. Mary, when Jesus was a little boy, could he hit the ball further than any of the other kids? I, I, I want to ask uh, Noah. You know, did you catch any fish when you were on the ark? I want to tell Moses, you don't look anything like Charlton Heston. You just don't. Just not at all. Just not at all. I want to ask John the Baptist, how much weight did you lose on that locust and honey diet? Was that, was, was that working for you? I want to ask Jonah, how big was that fish? Really, how big was that fish? And I want to say, Solomon, if you were the wisest man who ever lived, why did you have 700 wives? I just, just don't get it. And I want to ask David, hey, when you were a teenager and you killed Goliath, did you get in trouble with your mom for having that slingshot, or did she know you had that? You know, I just, just, just want to ask those things. I want to ask John Newton, hey, did you know when you wrote the words "Amazing Grace" that hundreds of years later, people all over the world would still be singing it? Did you know that? I just love. It. I can't imagine. Hanging out with these people, I can't imagine getting to ask questions and getting ready to just the ability to really, you know. As you read through the Bible, you think, well, "Why did they do? That? How did they have that much faith, or why didn't they have any faith, or why?" I, I, I can't wait to get to ask those kinds of questions. Clearly, it says we'll recognize people, and we've never seen Abraham, Isaac, or Jacob. Valerie collects thimbles. I got her a set of thimbles once that had the, the 12 disciples on it. It was cool because I never, I didn't know what they looked like until I bought these thimbles with their little paintings on it. You know, we, we have no clue what anybody looked like. How are we going to know Abraham? Well, we're going to know. We're going to sit down with him and say, Hi, my name's Bruce, and he'll go, My name's Abraham. I'm like, Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh, how cool. How cool is that? Here's a question that doesn't matter to me one iota but it's really a big one for some of you are there animals in heaven if you're a pet lover you want to know Is little you know little fido here's what i do know we we visited uh (coughs) valerie's aunt yesterday and she's got a chihuahua that's the ugliest little thing i've ever seen and it jumps on you and it you know we left and i was like solid fur i didn't think they were supposed to shed but this one does and uh they're not going to be in heaven. Chihuahuas are not going to be in heaven. I just I just know that. Because that would ruin it. wouldn't be a perfect place if chihuahuas there. But but what about other animals? Somebody have a chihuahua here? You do? Two. 2, Two. Don't oh. see the oh. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Oh, man. Bridge. Two chihuahuas. My puppies are on um, Rainbow Bridge, and they wait for you to come up there. Your puppies? God bless you. Okay. They're God's people too. They were made by God. They were made by God, yes. Yes. Yeah. I was just trying to... I knew she had chihuahuas. I was just trying to make her feel bad. So, so as you go through... More chihuahuas? Yes. Okay. I love chihuahuas. I, I didn't... I didn't get to see the movie, you know, but I, but I used to love the uh, taco commercials and stuff I I... I Okay, let's move on. Thank you, Dave. Move on. You know, if if you read throughout the book of Revelation, you see horses. You see horses. You see Jesus riding on a horse. And, And look at Isaiah chapter 11. It says In that day, the wolf and the lamb will live together. The leopard will lie down with the baby goat. The calf and the yearling will be safe with the lion. The cow will graze near the bear. The cub and the calf will lie down together. The lion will eat hay like a cow. The baby will play safely near a hole of a cobra. A little child will put its hand in a nest of deadly snakes without harm. Now, it does tell us that kids won't listen to their parents in heaven. Because, you know, we, we don't. It, isn't that a weird description? doesn't just say there'll be animals. It, it, there are animals that on this earth are enemies... And they're not going to be enemies anymore. Why? Because heaven's a perfect place. There's no pain, so snakes aren't going to bite that baby. It's a perfect place. But obviously, by these descriptions, and from what I have always understood about chihuahua owners, they're all going to be in heaven. They're all going to be in heaven. You know I mean? You read this, and you see lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. But there, but there won't be any, oh, my. The, the new heaven and the new earth are going to have things that that we're familiar with now. Another question, question five. How can knowing that I'm going to heaven help me now? Can can everybody agree with me that life is hard? Life is hard. It's just hard. It really, really is. So, So how does knowing that I'm going to heaven help me now? I mean, it's going to help me a lot the day I die, but how does that help me now? Look at 2 Corinthians 4, verse 17. Our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So, we don't look at the troubles we can see now... Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. We fix our gaze. It's a choice. It's a choice that we make. We can either focus on our problems or we can focus on our future home in heaven. Whatever we set our eyes on, whatever we decide to set our eyes on is what gets our attention. And if it gets our attention, it gets our our energy. It it gets all of us. And so the Apostle Paul is saying, set our eyes on the good things that are eternal instead of the bad things that are temporary. And, And I know some of you look at this verse and you say, yeah, Bruce, but my troubles aren't small. I mean, he's talking about, he says, our present troubles are small you know, my troubles aren't small. Maybe you'd say I'm, I'm on the, the, the verge of bankruptcy or my husband's cheating on me or I've got, I mean, Bob's got heart surgery coming up. Roy's got back surgery coming up. I'm going to go see a, a, a surgeon. It, uh, financial problems, you name it. There's all kinds of problems in our lives that we would say aren't small. How, how, how does this verse apply to us? Well, it doesn't just apply to small problems. Let me let let you in on some things. I I didn't print them in your outline, but some things that Paul said prior to this. Same same book of the Bible, but a little bit prior. In verse 8, he said, we are pressed on every side by troubles. In verse 9, he said, we are hunted down. We get knocked down. In verse 11, he said, we live under the constant danger of death. In verse 12, he said, we live in the face of death. Then he said, these small problems we have now. You want to talk about big problems. This guy spent most of his time in jail after he became a Christian. This guy was beaten. This guy was shipwrecked. This guy had every kind of tragedy you can imagine happen to him. And he said, these things are small. Now, they're not. When we're going through them, they don't feel small. But they're small in comparison with eternal things. They're, they're small. This pain won't last. When we get to heaven, I'm going to have a great back, and Roy's going to have a great back and legs, and Bob will have a good heart. and, and yeah, we, we And that's going to last forever. But we have to choose, which one am I going to focus on? Because if we focus on the temporary, if we focus on the pain and the problems, I'm not talking about just pretending they're not there, but if we focus on them, it's going to drain us. It's going to make us mad at God. It's going to make us mad at everybody else if that's what we focus on. But if we focus on God, if we fix our eyes on what's ahead for all eternity, we'll be able to make it through with the power of God. We'll be able to make it through all of these things. Colossians 3 verse 1 says, now, set your heart on what is in heaven, where Christ rules at God's right side. Think about what's up there, not about what's here on earth. So first we fix our eyes on heaven, then we, then we fix our heart on heaven. I, I love the message paraphrase of this verse. It says, so, if you're serious about living this new life with Christ, act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you. Look up and be alert to what is going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from his perspective. I love the message paraphrase. It's like, how do we do that? How how, how do we set our eyes? How do we set our hearts on things that, that we can't see yet? How do you let heaven fill your thoughts? Anybody ever had a dream vacation? Something you really wanted to do and you finally got to do it. Maybe it was go out west, see the Grand Canyon, maybe it was go to another country and you wanted to do it. I don't know about you, but when 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 the times when we've been able to do something like that just one or two times, all I think about beforehand is what we're going to do. All the preparation, you know, let's get on TripAdvisor and check out and see where the best places to stay. Let's check it all out. Spend tons and tons of time and get very, very excited. Every day excited about what's to come. Every day, can't wait for that vacation. Can't wait, can't wait. And, and if you've taken a million pictures while you're on that dream vacation, you find out when you get back <coughs> nobody wants to see them. Nobody. Valerie's parents went to Alaska. It was their dream trip. They, they drove the Alaskan Highway, pulling a trailer and camping. I mean, they just had a great time. A great time in about 20 hours of very shaky, out-of-focus home movies. Man. God, we never watched all 20 hours, did we? I, I was sick. When they got back, I got really sick. Every time they turned on the projector, I got really sick and just... You know, didn't do well. Had to had to go home a lot when they pull out the movies. So Valerie and I, uh, six, seven, eight years ago, got to go to Europe. You know what I found? Dream vacation, most amazing thing ever. And you know what else I found? Nobody wanted to watch our pictures. I'm like, wait, wait, this is the coolest thing ever. So, so all we can do is say, this is up ahead, and I'm going to prepare, and I'm excited about it, and I'm going to focus on it. When we do that, it gets us through the problems today it gets us through the challenges here on earth i love this think about what's up there not about what's here on earth so how does that apply to heaven we we make preparations now we make sure we're going to be there we trust in god's promises we look forward to what it's going to be like i mean this is god's invitation For you to look forward to a day when your problems won't exist. When there won't be any more problems. No pain whatsoever. And, you know, God also gives us... We don't just deal with the problems here and challenges here on earth. God also gives us things we enjoy here on earth. Well, guess what? The things that you enjoy here on earth are going to be much, much better in heaven. This is just a taste. This is just a taste of what's ahead. It's like a sample. You know, it's like I'm eating a donut hole here. But in heaven, I own my own Krispy Kreme restaurant. I mean, that's how, that's how good it's going to be. You know, it's just a taste. I, I used to love, my mother would make uh, homemade pizza. And I, I loved the, when mom was going to be making pizza because I'd go sit at the counter and while she's cutting the pepperoni, she'd give me some. And before she'd go to shred the cheese, she'd give me some. And I loved those samples. I loved getting a little bit of pepperoni, a little bit of cheese. It was delicious. But it also made me look forward. I can't wait till the pizza comes out of the oven. I can't wait for dinner. That's what's happening here. The joy, when we get to sit at the beach and just look at the beauty of God's creation. When we get to see uh, family members... uh, kids good things happening and in just so many ways that we experience joy here on earth that is going to be magnified so much in heaven when you face problems and pain remember they're temporary remember they're temporary there's one more question why does my view of heaven matter i mean as long as i know that i've placed my faith in Christ, I place my belief, my trust in Christ alone for my salvation. Why does my view of heaven even matter? Well, look at Matthew 6, verse 19. Jesus said, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them or thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there's the desire of your heart will also be. So Jesus says there's, there's two reasons to store up in treasures in heaven. The first one, it's the only place that they'll last. It's the only place that they'll be eternal. And then the second reason, Jesus says, to store up our treasures in heaven is because our heart is going to be wherever our treasures are. Whatever we care about, whatever grabs our attention and grabs our heart. And Jesus said, if the things that that our heart desires are eternal things, we'll get to enjoy them for all eternity. But how many of you know, and I'm as guilty of this as anybody, how many of you know That we spend so much of our time, we spend so much of our money, we spend so much of all of our resources doing things that don't matter. They're just not going to matter. They're just not going to last. But the relationship we're building with God, that's eternal. The impact we can have on other people, that's eternal. How do you you store up treasures in heaven? You, You don't use a debit card and you don't write checks and... Stick them in the tube that goes on and on and on. You don't do that. We store up treasures every time we're doing something that God tells us to do. Every time that we share our faith with someone, we're storing up treasures in heaven. Every time we invite somebody to church, we're storing up treasures. Every time we serve someone. I mean, the Bible talks so much about serving those. Serving the, the, the orphans and the widows. Serving the least of these. Every time we do that, we're storing up treasures in heaven every time you go volunteer to help build a house with Habitat for Humanity, or you go down to Daily Bread and serve food to people, every time that we're serving people, every time that we're showing people the love of God, we're sharing the love of God, those are all treasures that we're storing up in heaven. And and we shouldn't do it so that we can get there and say, look at all the treasures I've got. We should do it because that's what God calls all of us to do. He, He calls all of us to use our lives to do things that matter. For eternity. You could do two or three more weeks just on heaven. There's so many questions. But but I encourage you, uh, come Wednesday night. we have just three weeks into this series on Wednesday night about how to study the Bible. How to understand the Bible. And, and so one of the things that we've been talking about is how, how can you study in the Bible one topic? How can you learn, what does the Bible say about heaven? Because we just touched on it today. What does it say about heaven? And you can go through the Old Testament New Testament see everything that the Bible says about heaven. And, and so this one, say, Valerie's going to be sharing about just how to have a, a an effective daily time with God by reading His Word. And she's, she's the most disciplined person I've ever known in that area. And so she's going to talk about different translations, different ways of reading through the Bible. And uh, that will help you both become 100% certain about your place when you die. And it'll help you. Now, how can I I learn more about what the Bible says about heaven? How can I learn more about what the Bible says about business? Anything at all. You'll be able to see how to learn more about those topics directly from God's word. I want to pray for us. Father, I thank you that your word is so clear. God, it tells us exactly what heaven's going to be like. We didn't even look at at those verses today. It tells us exactly how awesome it's going to be, how incredible the the new heaven and the new earth are going to be. I thank you that, that your word is so clear about how simple it is to just receive Christ, to place our faith in him. And Father, I pray that if there's anybody here this morning that's never done that, that you would just speak to their hearts right now. God, that you would give them a desire to have a relationship with you. That you'd give them a desire to be forgiven. A desire for salvation. A desire for purpose for their life. And Father, for those of us that have received Christ, maybe a long time ago, would you just settle the issue in our hearts, God, that that we can know for sure if we're going to heaven. And Father, with all the problems that we all face, all the challenges that we're all facing, would you help us, God, to to quit whining and complaining, quit staring at the, the problems we're going through, And fix our eyes and our heart on you, on eternity, and on heaven. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. We're going to receive our offering uh, this morning. And and apart from Wednesday night, and I really do encourage you to come uh, this Wednesday night. uh, Next Sunday, we're going to have a brunch. Next Sunday is one-year anniversary. We started meeting... Just as a Bible study uh, a year ago. Uh, hard to believe a year has passed by. And so we're going to have a brunch afterwards. So just as soon as we're finished, 11 o'clock next week, then we'll have a brunch. So bring whatever your favorite brunch thing is. If you want to bring, you know, somebody mentioned Krispy Kreme donuts earlier. If, if you want to bring several dozen Krispy Kreme donuts for me. And, and you guys can have whatever you want. But uh, just bring your favorite breakfast thing and we'll have a good time uh, afterwards. Well, let's stand and uh, sing one more song.